Good morning, everybody. And a shout out also to those in the main sanctuary. Good morning to you too. Uh, will we, let's start it by going to God together in prayer. Will you pray with me, please? Father, if we look to you and your word now, we pray you take away all tiredness and distraction. Help us focus. Speak to all our hearts, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we have a, an exciting week uh, ahead of us. This is the start of Holy Week. So you've heard just now, Tenebrae, the week of the Last Supper, Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday. Uh, today is Palm Sunday. And you may be wondering, what is Palm Sunday? And it comes from today's reading from John chapter 12. This is the story of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem just before he was killed. And this entry into Jerusalem is found in all four Gospel accounts. In Matthew 21, Mark 11, Luke 19, and today John 12. Matthew, Mark and Luke write about cloaks being laid on the ground. Matthew and Mark also talk about tree branches being cut. But it is only in John chapter 12 that palm leaves are specifically mentioned. So let's have a look at the first Palm Sunday. John chapter 12, verses 12 to 16. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's coat. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. This is the Word of God. Okay, so what's the big deal about palms then? Now you all know that we have a Christian uh, calendar and there are symbols and customs associated with different festivals. So for example, in a Christian year, when do people give presents to each other? When do people eat turkey and put up pine trees? And you would know that these things are associated with Christmas. These are the symbols and customs we have now of Christmas. Now how about chocolate, eggs and bunnies? Yeah, if you saw shops selling chocolate, eggs and bunnies, you would know Easter is coming. Because today, chocolate eggs are modern day symbols for Easter. Just as hot cross buns are traditionally eaten on Good Friday. Here in Amokyo Church, however, of course, the church gives out hot cross buns on Easter instead of Good Friday. But never mind, it's free so you can't complain. <laughs> now I want to ask you, what would you think if you came to church next Sunday, on Easter Sunday, not here because there's no service in the hub, but you went to the main sanctuary, and there in the main sanctuary you saw pine trees decorated with colourful glass baubles. You saw people dressed as shepherds and angels. 
and you watch the reenactment of the birth of Jesus, what would you think? Okay, don't worry. I'm not giving away anything about next Sunday's uh, services. But if you came next Sunday and you saw all that, you might think somebody got their festivals mixed up. Okay, on the other hand, you might consider, no way the pastors are so cuckoo. Right? Pastor Anthony doesn't make this kind of mistakes. Pastor Colin is quite sharp. Pastor Yamka is very experienced. Pastor Melvin must have something up his sleeve. Right? Pastors must be up to something. Maybe the pastors are trying to pull a fast one on April Fool's Day. Or, they might be trying to make a point. They might be trying to say something new. Something exciting. And that is what happened the day Jesus entered Jerusalem. 2,000 years ago. When Jesus came for the last time to Jerusalem, it was spring. It was the time of the Passover that great festival and meal marking God's deliverance of his people from slavery in Egypt. You remember that in the time of Moses, when the Israelites were slaves in Egypt, each Israelite family killed a lamb and smeared its blood on the lintel and door posts of their front doors. And when God came that night to strike down the firstborn in all the land, God passed over the houses of the Israelites because of the blood of the Lamb. And so, since then, in spring, the Jews now, today, and in Jesus' time, they celebrate the Passover with a symbolic meal. And the Jews have another festival called Hanukkah. And John mentions this in chapter 10, verse 22. He calls it the Feast of Dedication. Next slide, please. Here he says, at that time, the Feast of Dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter. This is Hanukkah. Hanukkah celebrates the time when the Jews defeated their pagan enemies and rededicated the temple in Jerusalem to the worship of God. Now you see, about 200 years before Jesus, the Greeks were the overlords in the Middle East. The Greek Seleucid Empire was based in Syria then. And they controlled Israel. Over time, Greek rule became very oppressive. The, the Greek king, Antiochus IV, who was also called Epiphanes, he actually banned the Jewish law. He banned Jewish religious practices like circumcising male babies. That's his name on the screen. Antiochus IV, Epiphanes. You know it is Jewish custom to, to circumcise male babies. But under King Antiochus, if you try to do that, the mother and the baby were killed. The baby was then cut into two pieces tied together with a rope and the father had to wear the rope over his neck. That was how brutal King Antiochus was. He wanted to stamp out the Jewish faith. And Antiochus set up a statue of Zeus in the temple in Jerusalem. And he made the Jews sacrifice pigs in the temple. And you know the Jews consider pigs unclean and not kosher just like the Muslims consider them not halal. 
Antiochus made the Jews, or he forced the Jews to offer sacrifices to the Greek gods. So one day, in the village of Modin in Israel, next slide, Greek soldiers and government officials showed up. They called out the villagers and they ordered the villagers to make a sacrifice to the Greek gods. They called out the village priest and they offered him money. They said, we'll give you gold and we'll make you rich if you sacrifice to the Greek gods. And the village priest was an old man named Mattathias. And he refused to make the sacrifice. Mattathias cried out, even if all the nations that live under the rule of the king obey him and have chosen to obey this commandment, if every one of them abandon the religion of their ancestors, I and my son and my brothers, we will continue to live by the covenant of our ancestors. Mattathias refused. But one Jew in the village stepped forward. Maybe he wanted to be rich. Maybe he was afraid that the Jews would kill everybody. If nobody sacrificed, he stepped forward. And as he approached the altar, Mattathias got so angry, he ran forward and struck the man dead. He turned on the government official, Mattathias killed the government official who tried to force him to make the sacrifice. And you can just imagine that point, his sons all drew out their weapons. They either killed the Greek soldiers or they drove them off. And then knowing that the Greeks would return in greater strength to retaliate, right, to seek their vengeance, Mattathias and his sons ran off to the hills. And there they called out the villagers all around. And they organized guerrilla warfare against the Greeks for years. Mattathias died a year later. But his sons continued the fight. His sons were called the Maccabees, meaning hammer because they hammered the Greeks. And eventually, the Maccabees defeated the Greeks in the winter of 164 BC. Judas Maccabeus, Mattathias' oldest son, he recaptured Jerusalem. He cleansed the temple of pagan worship. He rededicated the temple to the worship of God. And the winter festival of Hanukkah commemorates this event, Hanukkah, was when the Maccabeans became the de facto kings of Israel, when the worship of God was restored in the temple. I tell you all this because when the Maccabees recaptured Jerusalem in winter, they entered the city in triumph waving palm branches. Palm branches is one of the symbols for Hanukkah. And yet in Jesus' time, in today's passage, during the Passover in spring, Jesus' followers waved palm branches. Wrong festival. What was the point? Jesus and his followers were bringing together the Passover and Hanukkah to say something new. They were saying that God would save his people once again. And that Jesus was the true king come to claim his throne and restore true worship. The king was coming to set his people free. And Jesus underlined this by sitting on a donkey. 
This was to fulfill the prophecy of Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. We read it just now. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's coat. Those Jews there who knew their scriptures would have made that connection too. Behold, your king is coming. But then, of course, Jesus' followers didn't know exactly what it all meant. They were thinking in terms of secular kings, like the Maccabees. They were thinking that God would save them from foreign overlords. It's only later that they realized God's kingdom was more than an earthly kingdom. That God was saving them from more than just oppression. If you read the rest of John chapter 10, you will realize that John frames the story of Jesus entering Jerusalem with the story of Lazarus. You remember that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And the crowd that followed Jesus into Jerusalem, the crowd that was welcoming him with palm branches, had heard of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. That's why they were there. That's why they were so excited. And so now we know Jesus is the King that saves us from death as well. So what does it mean then for Jesus to be our King? It cannot just mean that we accept that fact intellectually in our minds. We cannot just acknowledge in our heads that Jesus is king. If Jesus is your king, he has to be lord over your life. You have to serve your king. Belief must be paired with action. Action, if we want to be followers of Jesus. We all learned that when we looked at the disciples' path in our small groups in week one. Today I want to say that we serve our King when we glorify Him, when we praise Him, and when we honour Him. If we are truly His people, and He is really our King, then on the next slide, we have to glorify Him. We have to praise Him. We have to honour Him. We glorify Jesus when we live our lives to bring Him glory. When others can see that we are His people. It means that we are a gracious people. We are kind people. We are loving and forgiving people. We are not angry people or bitter people or vengeful people. Do we live in this world so others say, this is a Christian? Or do we live such that people say, you mean this is a Christian? If Jesus is our King, we have to glorify Him. We also have to praise Him in worship. We worship Jesus together here in church. And this is a very visible reminder that we are one worshipping people. Now, of course, I notice that some people don't sing when everybody is singing. They stand and listen. Maybe it's an unfamiliar hymn or song. Maybe they don't know the tune. That's all right. But we have to remember, it is not others singing for us to enjoy. It is all of us singing for God to enjoy. And there are some people who don't listen to the sermon. Too busy texting on their phones. 
a teenager sometimes doing it, right beside the parents who don't stop them. So we have to remember, we come to a worship service to communicate with God and not with our friends. Glorify Jesus with our lives. Praise Him in church. And thirdly, we honour Jesus when we follow His teachings. Even when no one is watching. Jesus told us to love each other just as He loved us. He told us to love our enemies. He told us not to insult and be angry with our brothers. To be reconciled with our brother before we give to God. Jesus told us to give to the needy. To lay up treasures in heaven. Jesus told us to do a lot of things. But do we know what he told us to do? We have to know what he said. We have to read the Bible. Are we doing what he told us to do? If we are followers of Jesus, and he is our king, then I say we have to glorify him, praise him, and honour him. There's a hymn which we sang this morning uh, in the main uh, sanctuary, in early service. All glory, Lord, and honour, which I think sums this up nicely. Is Jesus your King? If so, how is that reflected in your lives? Have you allowed Jesus to claim kingship over you? Because Jesus doesn't impose himself on anybody. We all have to accept him for ourselves. Now yesterday, I was watching a rerun of uh, the movies uh, The Lord of the Rings on cable TV. Right? They have been screening the three movies the last few days. Um, when I asked this question earlier, the 8 o'clock service, very few people raised their hands. But since here we are in a cinema theater, I expect more response. How many of you have seen the three movies in the Lord of the Rings trilogy? Oh, still quite few, very few. Okay, please go and watch more movies. How many of you have read the three books in the Lord of the Rings? Fewer people. Oh, one guy at the back. Well done. I find the books more dramatic. There are three books, as I said. And in the third book, The Return of the King, which is very different from the movie. After the final battle, you see there's this evil guy in Mordor. The men of the West gather huge armies. They go off to save the city of Minas Tirith. And then they go into Mordor. And all the while there's this Frodo, who's the ring bearer, carries the ring, drops it in the volcano. Boom, end of story. After the final battle. The armies of the West march back towards the city of Minas Tirith at dawn, line upon line, flashing and glinting in the sunrise. And at the gateway to the city, the gates are open, but a barrier is laid across the entrance of the city. And before the barrier stood the steward of Gondor, Faramir, Elfhelm the marshal, Hurin the Warden, the captains of Gondor, many, many others. In front of them, the armies of the West march. And as the armies draw near, one man steps up, ahead, walking slowly, Aragorn. As he drew nearer the gate, 
a single trumpet sounded. And the steward Faramir went forward and spoke out in a clear voice. And Faramir said, Behold, one has come to claim the kingship again at last. Here is Aragorn, son of Arathorn, captain of the host of the West, victorious in battle, whose hands bring healing. Isildur's son, shall he be king and enter into the city and dwell there? And all the hosts and all the people shout, Yay! with one voice. And then Frodo came forward, took the crown, gave it to Gandalf, the wizard. And at the gateway of the city, Gandalf crowned Aragorn, king of Gondor. Gandalf said, Now come the days of the king. On this Palm Sunday, I say to you, These are the days of our king. He has won all the battles that need to be won. And he stands at the gate of your heart, waiting to love you and be gracious to you. Have you allowed Jesus to be king of your lives? Do you glorify him, praise him, and honor him? It is never too late to let Jesus into your hearts and commit to him. Behold, one has come to claim the kingship at last. Shall he be king and enter into your heart and dwell there? Come, let us pray. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for all that you have done for us. You've cleansed us from sin. You've given us eternal life. You're preparing us for the world that is to come. We pray, Lord, and in this time, we may give you lordship over our lives. We may acknowledge you as our king and may live as your people. And so give glory Praise and honor to you. We pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.